Good morning, I invite you to open up your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 3 to 7 today. I got a text this week of a story from Chuck Swindoll that told about an 83-year-old man that went through the drive-thru at McDonald's. Tell me if you can relate to this. The, the 83-year-old man is taking his time, I mean a long time, to order. Really long, you know, going through the menu, looking at stuff and, and going. And so a lady behind him, a very impatient lady behind him, starts to honk the horn at him. Come on, you know, and honking, 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 you know, get ready, you know, let's get going, you know. And, and, and so this, this man, what he decides to do is he gets to the first window and he, and, and, and he pays for both of them. And then all of a sudden, the lady rolls down her window and you can see her going, thank you, thank you. Oh, so, probably embarrassed because he repaid her evil with good and bought her meal. And she's thanking him, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. And they get up, he gets up to the second window and he, he, he sees the clerk and he shows both receipts and he takes both meals with him. <laughs> so now the lady has to go around again, wait in line. And, and the man says, I'm an old man. I've been around. Don't honk your horn at me. I thought that was an interesting uh, little way to do it. I've never tried that, but maybe I'll try it one time and see what happens. Life is hard, isn't it? Life is filled with hard stuff in it. And last week we looked at it. We looked at the three blessings we have every day of our lives. We have the grace of God on our side. The undeserved favor of God. We have the very power of God working in our lives. We have mercy. God feels our pain. He knows our pain. And He has empathy, pity upon us. And withholds that which we deserve every day of our lives. Not only does He give us what we don't deserve, but He withholds what we do deserve. Think about that for a moment. And then we have peace with the Holy God. And that's not because we've done anything in our own selves. We have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for our sins, was buried, and he rose again. And now we have peace with the Holy God. That is every day of our lives. That is something we don't earn, we don't deserve, but we have it. No matter how hard it gets. Remember that we have grace. Remember that we have mercy. Remember that we have peace. But even knowing that, we still want to run around and leave the places that we're at. It is hard to live in certain places. The pressures are there. The cultural pressures are there. And we want to run. We want to get away. I tell you, every winter, I just dream of California. Amen? And how beautiful it would be to live there. 
and the palm trees and the heat and and the, and the nice oh, wow wow you see you got to choose to think of the positive and not the negative but you also with California you have the nuts the liberal um, that's why Coloradoans are so mad at California because they've come to our state and ruined it. Now, you don't want to say amen, right? You don't want to say amen because there's a few Californians sitting next to you. They'll knock you out. You don't mess with them. How many are from California? Just, uh, you know, around, uh, look at this. Wow. Wow. Holy cow. Destroyed our church. But let's go on. To the, uh... So our tendency is to run. And not stay the course. And I want you to look at this because after Paul tells Timothy, you have these things, you have grace, you have mercy, you have peace. He's going to encourage him. He's going to urge him on. Look at verse 3. I'm urging you. The word, the word there is to come alongside, to beg somebody, to encourage somebody. Timothy is reluctant here. Timothy is wondering, you know, should I, should I leave? Should I stay? Should I get out of these cultural pressures? I mean, where is Timothy at this time? He's in Ephesus. You want to live in Ephesus? Some say Colorado Springs is rough. You want to live in Ephesus? Where the immorality, the idolatry was rampant. Where they hated God and they, and they practiced magic. Magic was big there. And astronomy. My wife, astrology. My wife says I'm big into astronomy. I got a joke about it. That's why I mixed that up. Katie says, you're too much into astronomy. You got to get out of that. I said, what planet are you on? But anyway. Um... No? Don't use that one. She said I don't think like an American. I could see that from a kilometer away. But that's a... going downhill, right? Don't worry, they get a little bit better. <laughs> Josh, have you missed these? I mean, come on, yeah, I missed them. Okay, thank you very much. He's just smiling. The only one that's smiling. All right, let's get on. But they, 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 they had a tough place to live, and it was rampant, and there was cultural pressures upon them. And Timothy was already a nervous dude as it was. I mean, he had stomach problems. He was, he was a timid person, and he's got to live in this pressure. And, and so Paul comes alongside of him, and look at verse 3. He's going to tell him this. I urge you upon my departure at Macedonia to remain on at Ephesus, to make your home there, to not run, to stay the course, stay there. Our tendency is to run. We want to get out. I want, I want California. I want, I want out of here. I don't, I don't want the pressures of here. I, I, we, me and Abigail, we play around. I tell her, you know, I'm out of here. I'm going to California. She said, Daddy, we are not going to California. I says, well, give me 10 reasons. She gives me 10. I said, all right, that's good. Give me 15. She gave me 15. I said, all right, give me 20. She gave me 20. You know what was at the top of her list? The church here. She said, Dad, we can't go to California. We got our church family. Wow, she is more spiritual than I am. I come back with her, but we got In-N-Out Burger, the real In-N-Out Burger. We got the weather. We got this and that. But she just goes down the list. Stay, he's saying here. Timothy, don't run. The mountains, we got that in California too. And so look at it here. I want you to stay. I want you to remain. I want you to make your abode. I, I don't want you to run away. Don't run away. Why? 
Look at verse 3. Here's why I want you to stay. That you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. Heterodox. Paul makes up a word here. He puts them together. These are, these are other doctrines. These are other teachings. These are adding to the Bible. It's People love to add things to the Bible and to the gospel. And if we miss the gospel, we've missed it all. And he says, I don't want you to, I, I want you to stay there and I want you to instruct. I want you to shut their mouths. Stop them. They're teaching strange stuff. Other doctrines. Other teachings, I'm here to tell you, once we add to the gospel or take away from the gospel, we lose the gospel. You stay there. He says, I want you to instruct them. I want you to command them. Not who are these certain men? Well, we're going to get some of them are later on we'll talk about, but we don't know exactly all that they are. But he says, you need to tell them to not teach these strange doctrines, these other doctrines, to add things on. To the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. What are they adding on? Look at verse 4. They're, they're paying attention to myths. M-Y-T-H-S. In New York we pronounce it myths. Myths. Fables. Stories. That have no historical foundation that they like to take the old testament stories i don't know if you knew this but in 100 bc the jewish people came out with a book of jubilees it was called where they would take stories of the old testament and they would elaborate on the stories and make them exciting for people to hear and fascinate people with myths you say people today aren't into that stuff oh yes they are how many went to go see the movie noah back in the day that is as fake as it gets. I mean, Noah wants to kill one of his grandkids. Is that Noah in the Bible? That ain't Noah in the Bible. Noah's a lunatic in that movie. And yet some pastors, amazingly enough, said we got to use the movie Noah to evangelize to other people. They've missed it. People get fascinated by, by stories when we add things on to the Bible. And, and different things that we add on and they, they, they get fascinated by those things. He says, don't even go there. Don't, don't pay attention to that. Don't, don't put your attention to that or to the endless what? Genealogies. This, this blew my mind. They, back then they were fascinated with their family trees. Guess what? <laughs> Today, people are fascinated with their what? Family trees. They're selling this DNA stuff. Buy it. See what you are. See who you really are. I mean, even Kermit the Frog did it. <laughs> Do you see what happened to him when he did it? He took a DNA test. He came back half Indian, half Italian, and a tadpole. Oh. Is that better? I love that one. That is a great one. <laughs> But we are so fascinated.
fascinated with genealogies. Anybody ever say, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year, and then you get to the genealogies, and you're like, what in the world am I reading? And then you have like nine chapters of these names that you don't know, but you should, but you don't know who they are. And they're like, who is this guy, and that guy, and this guy, and this guy? So what they would do back then is they would take the list of genealogies, and they would add stories to each one of them. And they would add other names and put different wives or, or add wives if we didn't know who their wives were and have all this list of stuff that what does it lead to? Look what this verse 4 say. They have all these genealogies and, and these myths that give rise to mere what? Speculation. You start to speculate. You're fascinated. Was it true? Wow. That's amazing. I didn't know that about Noah. I didn't know that Noah was into magic. I didn't know that he drank a, a potion and then he said he was going to do it. I didn't know that. Fascinated. Wow, that's an amazing story. Take Abraham and add a story to him. Add the, the genie out. Wow, did you know this? I remember sitting in, in class one time as a young high school kid and we had to go around and say who we were. And this girl, she was from... I forget which country, I think China or something. And she goes, um, Connie Chung. How many of you remember Connie Chung? Back in the day, well, some of you don't. I feel really old now. But Connie Chung <laughs> used to be a big newscaster back then. But anyway, Connie Chung supposedly had a daughter. And so this girl's telling a story. She goes, you know what? Connie Chung had a daughter in this city. I was born in that city. Connie Chung doesn't know who her daughter is. I may be Connie Chung's daughter. And we're all sitting around. This is fascinating. She got us. What a story. And then this guy who was a comedian, he says, I don't know who Dan Rather is, but I may be Dan Rather's son. I don't know. And everyone's like, oh, don't do that. You know, he made fun of her. But people are fascinated by telling stories that we could just speculate on. UFOs. What's going on with UFOs? And so, uh, you know, next week I should preach a whole sermon. I mean, we don't know. We speculate stuff. We can say things. How about AI? You want to know a little bit about AI? Just see uh, VJ here. He works in that stuff. He'll tell you everything about AI. What about AI? Is there going to be one day a preacher up here that looks like me, that talks like me, but it's not me? I know. <laughs> wow. Am I really here, Amy? Is this me? Is that you? I don't know. I'm just waiting for somebody to FaceTime you and you're going to think they're it and they're not it and you give them money. AI. AI. What's going on with that? All the speculation out there. We can speculate all day. People are fascinated with the stuff. But here's, look at this here. It says speculation rather than the furthering of the administration of God, which is by what? By faith. Paul says, don't go there. Don't go into these myths and these endless genealogies and these things that just give rise to mere speculation that's not based on truth because that's going to do nothing to further the work of God. He's saying we are here to further the work of God. How are we going to further the work of God about talking about things that we could just mere speculate about? Don't go there, he says. He says, he uses a word here which is very interesting. The administration of God. In other words, we are stewards of what God has given us. God has given us the word of God. And when we preach the word of God, faith, trust in what the word of God says. 
He says, don't go down. They're going down a path. They're caught up in fighting about stuff that they just don't know. That leads into speculation. And all of a sudden, we're speculating about everything. We don't know what's true. What's true? The word of God is true. And so in verse 5, he says this. Here's what you have to remember. Concentrate on the goal. Don't ever forget the goal. Why, why do we teach the Bible? Why do we have Bible studies? Why do we have ladies' Bible studies? Why do we talk to people over coffee about the Bible? Why do we do all this? Verse 5 tells us. I love this. The goal of our instruction is what? Love. When we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we guard the gospel, when we teach the Bible, the goal is to produce love in other people. Love for God. Love for each other. And love for those who don't know God. Don't ever forget the goal. The goal is love. It produces love. The gospel produces love in our hearts and creates a sphere of love in the church. And he's saying, don't give in to things that talk about speculation, all that that you don't know about. Focus in on, on what it is, the goal. Don't miss the target. The target is love. When I'm up here, I'm not just saying words here. Hi, everybody. How's you doing? Telling a few dad jokes. So you leave here and go, ha, 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 that was a good sermon. I hope, I hope, I don't know, it doesn't always work, that you leave here loving God more than you ever have before. That you have a heart to love others more than ever before. That you have a heart to love those who don't know Jesus more than ever before. That's the goal. Amen. Don't forget the goal. He goes, and this love, where does it come from? It comes from a pure heart, a heart that has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes, yes. A heart, this, this blew me away when I was studying it, a heart that has a single purpose. A heart that is devoted to God and wants to live for God and has a single purpose in life to glorify God. It, it, this love produces a pure heart. I was reading in Jeremiah, I shared a few verses last night with some people where he says, I am going to make sure that you have a singleness of heart that will do you good and that will do the good for your children as well. Can you imagine the impact we can make on the world if our heart was just fully devoted to God? The goal is love that comes out of a pure heart. Look at this next thing. It also comes out of a good conscience. Now watch out with the conscience because the conscience is there to accuse us and at times to affirm us. But oftentimes we can sear the conscience and we can keep doing things that are wrong and the conscience doesn't say anything to us. I tell people when they come up to me, I got a clear conscience of what I'm doing. Do you really? There are cannibals out there who eat people who have a clear conscience. That doesn't mean anything. But I'll tell you what's a blessing of having a good conscience. A good conscience is knowing I am right with God, not because of my works, but because of what Jesus has done. The goal. The goal is love. You have a pure heart, a single heart. You have a good conscience. And guess what else we have? We have a sincere faith. And unhypocritical. We are the real deal. We are not somebody that just gives lip service to Jesus. I've met too many of those. People say, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I, I'm a Christian. 
and they can care less about what God says in his word and they live their own lives. No, that's not. We don't give God lip service. He wants our lives. And an unhypocritical faith, when there's no pretense, a faith that is really there, a real deal of faith, a faith that has their trust alone in Jesus alone. The gospel produces this, a heart that is pure, a good conscience, and the real deal. And when we add to it or take away, we are producing false kinds of Christians. Be careful. Yes. People say, what does the real deal look like? I, I heard a story of, a, of an office that kept asking a guy who was about to have a baby. So how's your wife? Is she okay? How's the pregnancy going? When's she going to have the baby? Is she everything all right? Is she doing okay? And this guy thought, wow, I live in the most loving, I work in the most loving office I've ever, and this is amazing. These people love me. They love my wife. Then he found out behind his back they were having a pool on when his wife was going to have the baby. They were betting the date that she was having it. They could care less about him. They were worried about making money. There are people who talk about God and say they love God, but they can care less about God. Paul says, remember the goal, it's love. And it'll produce the real deal. Now, now watch this. Look at this, verse 6. We've got to understand something, the purposes of the law here. He says, for some men, remember, we don't know how many this is, but some men, they stray from these things. Literally in the Greek, they miss the mark. They miss the target. They miss the goal of the instruction, love. They missed the pure heart. They missed the good conscience. They missed the sincere faith. They've missed it. They've turned aside. They've, they've, they've literally, what they've done, they've strayed little by little. They've added things. They've been fascinated by things that mean nothing. And what do they talk about? Look at this in verse 6. They turned aside to what? Fruitless discussion. It means nothing. I, I was amazed as a pastor when we got hit with COVID and how many people became experts on mass? They were experts. And how they were fighting over it. And how they were entering into internet chats and fighting over whether or not we should wear a mask and you're this and you're that. And they're, they're fighting over it. And Satan loves to distract us. And let me, let me ask you something. How many people are going to get saved by us telling them whether or not to wear a mask? Zippo! Now, whether or not we are wearing masks, that's another thing. That's between us and God. But to fight about it, to, to beat up other people, to, to spend hours arguing about stuff, that means nothing. It's fruitless. It, it doesn't go anywhere. The people fighting over different things on the, on the Internet, over minute stuff in the Bible. Oh, what are you, an infralapsarian, a superlapsarian? What do you believe about this, about that? They're fighting over all kinds of things. No one's getting saved doing that. In fact, it's vain discussion. You look at each other and say, what are we arguing about? Really, is that now the gospel? Yeah, we will fight about. Yes, the gospel, when people are speaking. To, but these things that have nothing to do with anything. Fighting over UFOs. Fighting over, you name it, global warming. Fighting over all these things. He's saying, Jeremy, are these things important? It could be important to you. I'm not saying they're not. But fighting over these things, they lead to fruitless discussion. Amen. They don't produce what God wants. And you know what he's saying here? 
He's saying our time is very short. Why are we going to spend our time talking about stuff that really doesn't matter in eternity? Some may be shocked when they get to heaven and they see Peter with a mask on. <laughs> I thought those things were sinful. What did you say? <laughs> we're going to be shocked when we get there. All the stupid stuff we fought over. And you look at him and like, that didn't even matter. I spent, I, and I think to myself, oh man, if we just get so excited about the gospel, what the world would be like now. We love this speculation stuff. We get so excited about it. Don't go there, he says. He says, it's fruitless. It's vain. Nobody's going to get saved. I remember I walked into a Dunkin' Donuts with a guy. And the lady said, we're not going to serve you a donut unless you put your mask on. And the guy goes, I ain't putting no mask on. He was in his 30s or 40s. So then a 60-year-old behind us, he said, sir, why don't you put your mask on? You know, do us all a favor. Now all of a sudden they start arguing with each other. This is a guy coming to our church. I'm like, oh man, I got to do church discipline next week. I don't know what's going on. They're fighting with each other. He ain't going to get a donut. He's fighting with the 60-year-old. How is that 60-year-old going to come to Christ doing that? Believe me, if it's only a mask that stops me from a donut, I'm wearing a mask. Amen? <laughs> I will get my donut. You will not stop me from getting this donut. I'll, I'll, I'll wear a hat. I'll wear a coat. Whatever you want. Give me that donut. When he went in there, nobody telling me to wear no mask. And start fighting with people. Fruitless discussions. They mean nothing. People like to grab minute stuff when they come out of seminary or, or study the Bible and they like to fight over things in the Bible or different words. Careful going there. They don't end furthering God's work. No, no, nothing wrong with talking about stuff and getting excited about certain things and talking about it. That's, that's fun to do. But to fight about it and to get really upset about it or even to leave churches over certain stuff that is fruitless, be careful with that. And here's what he says, verse 7. And this is going to hit some of us. They want to be teachers of the law. They want to show how the Old Testament applies to New Testament people. And, and, and let me say this. There are churches all over the map on this. How does the Old Testament law apply to me? Some break up the law into three categories. You got the moral law, you got the civil law, and the ceremonial law. You have over 600 different laws. So people say, well, the civil law is gone and the, and the ceremonial law is gone, but the moral law is still there. And so we follow the moral law, but we don't follow the civil law. The Jews never thought about that. They never thought about breaking it down into three and saying, you get to choose which one that you're going to follow. It was all the law. Either you follow it all or you don't follow it at all. Think about that. And they're wanting to be teachers of it. And why a teacher? Because back then you got the best seats, you got the honor, you got the name, you were the rabbi. <laughs> the rabbi. But look at verse 7. This is a very serious verse even though they don't understand either what they are saying or the matters about which they make confident what? Assertions. These people have conviction. They are convinced about it, but they don't even know what they're saying. And let me just tell you this. There is nothing more dangerous than somebody who is ignorant and arrogant. 
They are ignorant. They don't even know what they're saying. But yet they tell you like they are experts. This is what it is. Let me tell you. I know about this. I've read online what it says. <laughs> WebMD. How many medical experts are out there now in this world because they read something on WebMD? Oh, I know what you got. You got super flammable. I read it on WebMD. I know what you got. I saw the symptoms. Oh, you're a doctor now. Interesting. I am convinced you have it. They talk about things that they don't know. They're ignorant and arrogant. And let me just tell you this. <laughs> this is scary. There are people who teach error with great conviction. Talk to a Mormon. They will tell you with tears in their eyes that what they believe is true. One guy told me, you can put a gun to my head and shoot me and I will not change. Conviction and ignorance. Will you read some of my stuff that I give you? No, we don't read that stuff. Conviction and ignorance. Here is somebody telling you how the law applies to your life. And there is conviction, but they really don't know what they're saying. Because if they understood the law, <laughs> that the law was given to Israel in a context as they were going into the land to teach the Israelites how to relate to God and how to relate to each other and how to live while they are in the land. The law was for the Israelites. Jesus came to fulfill the law. And then later on it says this, we are under grace, not the law. What does that mean? There's no law. Watch out. Under grace, there's a lot of laws. In fact, it's even been intensified in some places. I mean, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Wouldn't it be fun to live under that? You know what I mean? Mess with me, baby. I'm going to mess with you. Now i got to turn the other cheek. Wait a minute. How about adultery? Adultery, you know, she couldn't be adultery. No, no, now you can't even look and lust that is wrong before God. How about anger? Oh, wouldn't it be great? Don't murder. Now you can't even be mad in your heart or call people names in your heart. Think about that the next time you're driving. And you pass me and I cut you off. <laughs> there are some laws that are repeated. There are some laws that are modified. There are some laws that are intensified. And there are some laws that are completely changed. But let me just tell you this. The law does not regulate our lives. Grace does. And these people wanting to be teachers of the law. They start to say things that they ought not to say. One person said it this way. Those who speak the loudest often speak about what they understand the least. I remember a pastor, I really struggled with how the law applied to my life. And this pastor, he started to preach through Genesis and he noticed that there was a Sabbath in Genesis, the first couple of chapters and God took a day off and he said, you know what? There's a, what we call the creation Sabbath and there's the law Sabbath. And so he made a distinction between creation Sabbath and the law Sabbath. And he says, you know what, church? We need to be under the Sabbath. We need to be, you know, have the creation Sabbath and all that. And so he talked about that and creation Sabbath. Like what in the world is creation Sabbath? I couldn't understand what, what that meant. And so he put this pressure upon the church that if you do anything on a certain day, you're living in sin. Let me just tell you this. It appeals to our flesh because you know what rules do? 
rules help us to change without really having a heart change. And we start to feel better about ourselves because we're doing certain things, but our hearts haven't really changed. It's very dangerous. And he was convinced that there is a creation Sabbath that we ought to believe in. And then I came to Colossians 2. Praise God for Colossians 2. Don't you love Colossians 2? Which says, don't let anyone judge you on a Sabbath. You be careful with that. Let me just tell you something, my friends. There are people fighting about stuff and convinced about stuff that just doesn't matter. Let us not do that. Let us remember the goal. The goal is to preach and teach and share and that will create an atmosphere of love. The goal is to stay true to the gospel. We don't make up that. We don't add to the gospel. We don't take away from the gospel. Because when we preach the gospel, it produces love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a true, sincere faith. It changes lives. In the moment we add speculation to the gospel, in the moment we add law to the gospel, we've missed the gospel. It is by faith alone in Christ alone. Amen. Timothy, don't run. You stay right where you are in the midst of all the cultural pressures and you preach Christ like you should. And don't pay attention to what they're saying out there. Let's pray. Our Father, it, it is so easy. We get so fascinated by things that bring up speculation and lead to that without any historical reality to it. And we like to talk about these things and even argue these things, but they don't produce anything. So Father, I pray that you would help us to remember the goal, to not get caught up on different things, but to remember why you put us here. The goal, the instruction is love. When we preach the gospel, it produces love. It changes lives. And love from a pure heart. Love from a good conscience. Love from a sincere faith. Love that is the real deal. And so, Lord, I pray. I know it's easy for us to get caught up in these different things and fight about different things. Our flesh loves it. But, Lord, help us to stay true to your word. And when people start bringing up this speculation stuff and myths and genealogies and talk about things with conviction that they just don't know, that we would be humble to say we just don't know either. But what we do know is that Jesus came. He died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again. And what we do know is everyone who calls upon his name will be saved. Thank you for that. We love you. We praise you, Lord. Help us to go away from here encouraged, loving you more than ever before, loving others more than ever before, loving those who don't know you more than ever before. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.